Join us at East Coast Wings and Grill for craft wings, great beer, burgers, skillets, flatbreads, and more. We use the best ingredients to create our fresh, flavorful dishes, like our award-winning wings that are made your way. With 60 flavors and seven heat indexes, they come in more than 400 combos. Eat, unwind, and celebrate good times with family and friends by visiting your local East Coast Wings and Grill or ordering online for easy pickup. presents The Nest with head coach Todd Willard, hosted by Rod Thunderbird. The Nest is brought to you by East Coast Wings Kernersville, Kevin Bug State Farm Insurance, The Collegiate Store, Cindy Swain Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, and Haveline Express Lube Kernersville. Here's your host, Rod Thunderbird. Welcome to the initial inaugural edition of The Nest with head coach Todd Willard from East Forsyth here in Kernersville, North Carolina. We are at East Coast Wings, Kernersville, thanking them for the hospitality. They are our title sponsor for the entire 2019 East Forsyth season. And we've got one game in the books already. East Forsyth traveled up to Asheville to take on A.C. Reynolds last week, and we're going to talk about that. Today we've got, of course, head coach Todd Willard with us from East Forsyth. What's going on, Coach? What's up, man? It's always good to have you or be with you, Dad. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm looking forward to this. And uh, we, he brought a player with him. You want to tell everybody who you brought with you this time around? Yeah, I bought um, Torian Jackson. He's a defensive lineman, kind of a DN, outside linebacker captain of our team this year um, one of the leaders of our program and uh, just uh, just one of the guys we, we all say we want great people and he's one of those young men that uh, is good people that was a lot of praise there right at the very beginning of the podcast right. that's uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. that's good stuff so for those who are wondering if you've seen the the social media uh, advertising and everything else I am not Rod Funderburk Rod Funderburk's actually on a business trip he'll be uh, back next week uh, him well, me and him will be doing the East Forsyth football games for SJS Sports Hub Triad starting this upcoming Friday where you guys are going to be taking on a game Southwest Guilford team. But before we get to the game that's coming up, I wanted to talk a little bit about 
the game you just had versus uh, the Rockets, A.C. Reynolds out of Asheville. Uh, Coach, talk to me a little bit about uh, prepping for a trip to Asheville. I was talking to Torin a little bit before we got started because I, I had just recently taken my wife up into the mountains for a, a trip, and we passed through Asheville. And I remember thinking, man, this is like two-plus hours just to get here. <laughs> so what was it like trying to prep this team to keep them focused and having to have such a long bus ride up to Asheville to start off the season? Yeah, it, it, you know, we kind of did it. Coach Plasser, our AD, we kind of set this up. Um, truth be told, it was hard to find teams that wanted to play us. We had some teams drop us and that. But um, – you That's know, a we, good problem to have, yeah, Coach. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> great problem to have. The, but, you know, we thought, hey, you know, it would be nice to get these guys to get on the road, kind of see where our mindset. It was a good test, just a, some adversity, just some traveling. Um, we didn't get the nice coach buses like we took down uh, the state. We took was... a, we took the blue and whites, and the, the boys weren't too happy about that. Yeah, Torrin doesn't look very pleased about that situation. <laughs> you, you got guys like him that are long. Those buses are kind of tight, and uh, those buses are December buses. Those aren't those aren't August buses. Those are December buses. Not even December. <laughs> yeah. Not even. Not even when you're playing basketball, right. isn't it? Those no. buses. No. Are <laughs> And they're a lot better than when you uh, oh, gosh, when you're yeah. on there. They, they, they don't understand how nice that. But mm-hmm. it was just good. We busted up the trip. We stopped about halfway and ate at Golden Corral. And then, you know, got back on the bus. We got up there early so the guys could walk around and kind of see the place. But it, honestly, it, it was a good trip. Just like the, the trip down to Durham was good because we won. Mm-hmm. So the long trip back wasn't as bad because we didn't get back in. What was it, about 2 o'clock in the morning? 2 Two o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. So I knew that was long. Um, now I was looking at the box score. Now I was on max preps, and we know how max preps can be. It's kind of touch and go. Sometimes it's correct. Sometimes it's not correct. So let me know if these stats are correct. Because the first thing that popped out to me on the box score was that AC Reynolds had 77 total plays to your 49, and that's something a trend I've seen against teams playing against you guys the past really year or so where it seems like their best defense is keeping your offense off the field so a lot of these teams just try to run the ball run the ball and they get two yards they seem to be happy with it and they just keep going um now they, it says they ran the ball 39 times but only made 98 yards out of it so it's about a two and a half yard clip tell me a little bit about the mentality of the eagle defense and Torin, you can chime in here being the uh the team captain is there a mentality of stopping the run first is that something you guys talk about or is it just something you guys just go out to try to do uh we talk about it all the time we've uh, the D-line, you know, we talk about it mentally and physically. We're mentally strong, all of us. And um, some of us aren't as physically strong, but we know what we have to do to stop the run. And, um, you know, me, I'm not really physically strong, but I know moves around everything, and um, I do my job. Right. You know, you do your yeah. job. Smart player. You do your job and everything. You, you get your plays and you get other people's plays. And I know you guys pride yourselves on that, uh, Coach, with the coach and staff in particular and talking to you guys over the years that you guys try to find smart players, guys that, like you said, that could just if all of you are simply doing your jobs, you're going to have an excellent chance of coming out victorious on Friday nights. Is that something that on the defensive side – that, is that something that's drilled in you guys? Like repeatedly, do you just do your job? Do your job? Do your job? Am I sounding familiar? Yeah, do your job. <laughs> know your job. And listen to the calls and listen to the coaches. You can't do what you want to do because it messes up the whole defense. And they get big plays like they did um, last week. Now, while y'all, now I, I did notice too that um, granted it's game one. 
but I know that last year you lost your leading wide receiver in Mizell Hall to graduation. Yeah. Um, talk about re rebuilding the wide receiver core and what you look for when you're building not just the wide receiver core but groups. Like when you have certain groups that had a lot of maybe senior leadership in them, uh, what are you? How do you go about that in terms of building those core groups when old, well, not old players, but when experienced players move on and young blood comes in? Well, it's kind of like the, the role Torian's in now. It's Torian's job to teach the younger D linemen how, how it's supposed to be. You know, they come up from JV, it's a little bit different. Torian had to learn from the guys ahead of him, and we kind of put it on the older guys that are in our position groups to kind of, it ain't just a coach thing, it's the older players to kind of teach them what, what needs to be done. And with the wide receiver core right now, we are young. Uh, we graduated our top two guys um, in Mizell and Nick Childs. Um, so, you know, we kind of had a little rough go up at AC Reynolds. We had eight drops, so um, that was a little tough. But we got uh, Brandon Conway, our tight end right now. He's kind of the leader of that group. Um, and we got Ty, our quarterback, back. So that's good. Um, right now we're kind of led offensively by our running backs, Monty Marshall, mm -hmm. Robin Smith, Chris Chapman, and uh, Jay Brown. Those are the guys that are kind of – they've had to take a role of even trying to lead the wide receivers a little bit. But we'll be fine, um, you know. Those year seniors? after year, they're they all gotta, seniors that you named, right? The, the, the four the running back, oh, yeah. the four, all four are? Okay. Yeah, we call them the four horsemen. That's right. <laughs> um, they're all they're all seniors. Uh, they do a great job, uh, sharing and blocking and doing all those things. So, um, you know, it, it is. It's a big void not having Mizell and Nick there, but uh, we'll get the offense rolling. Now, uh, speaking of the offense, I want to talk a little bit about Ty Louse. So last mm -hmm. year, this is your quarterback. He's a junior now. Last year, he's a sophomore. Came in right out the gate. Uh, and, and basically did what you guys wanted him to do throughout the season. And you really could see progression from him from week one all the way to uh, in Chapel Hill where he was just learning a little bit more, more and more each week. Tell me a little bit about the development of, of uh, Ty and what you're expecting from him this year as he's coming in as a junior. He's had experience. He's got an undefeated season underneath his belt now. Have you been able to – corral him in terms of like the youth or is it <laughs> is it something where like you're still kind of teaching him you know we're still teaching you some things here you have to pull him back is, it, is he the type where you have to pull him back from things or I don't know if we got a necessary pull him back you know you know Tor Torian's uh laughing you, you could probably throw for 400 yards throw five touchdown passes I'm still not happy you know Torian had never what you had a, you, you had a great game I mean I would never tell him that usually but we were, had, we were had talking a pretty about good game he had the two sacks you know yeah. uh, did a great now, job uh, no. defense I'm glad you mentioned those two sacks because yeah, we were talking about those and Torian is disputing the fact he only had two sacks you said you had how many I had three or four sacks coach three or four they all fight over the sack, so they try to get there, and then we got to make a decision who got the sack. You know, sometimes I give them a half sack, but then they cry and complain because they get a half a sack too. Right, so, it was Tony so Jackson sack. He, he, he got <laughs> two sacks. Did he tell? Did he tell you about when he got mashed though? Did, did no. You, oh, you didn't, you didn't say about that. Oh, about yeah, that. So. Let's. Because uh, <laughs> I told him max preps goes either way, yeah, you know. And I was like, did. I looked at your stat. It said you had like nine tackles, five solo. He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He actually had a great game, and you know the guys kind of know. I'm not going to say a lot about the great things we talk about a little bit on Monday. We recognize the, the things. Um, but I told Terry the one play, and, and the guys know it. I, I, the one play, he knew it probably once he fell to the ground. He didn't have his head on the right side. And 
the guys know that no matter how great they play, I, I want perfection, even though I know they can't do it. But I think that's what makes these guys so great because they want to strive for that. But uh, Torian did have a good game, but I, I, I usually I wouldn't let him know that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so I'm glad. Actually, that was a great segue because uh, last year your defense, in particular, you lost some seniors in key spots. Khalil Baker and Khalid Martin, uh, in particular. They basically locked down the secondary for you for the entire 2018 season, and both of them were seniors and have moved on to, uh, to bigger things. Now on Friday, it said Rashad Thomas returned an interception for 45 yards for a touchdown up in Asheville. Uh, about 6.51 left in the fourth quarter. Pretty much, it, it didn't necessarily seal the game, but it gave you guys a nice cushion and yeah. allowed you to do some things uh, on defense after that. Tell me a little bit about the new blood. You talked a little bit about it with Torian coming in and, and others. Tell me about that new blood, that, so to speak, in the Eagles secondary right now that uh and guys that we need to keep an eye on like is there somebody you can't name yourself well maybe you can oh yeah <laughs> if there's is there someone other than torian on the defense that you would say keep an eye on this guy not a lot of people are talking about him right now but by the end of the season he's going to be one of those guys that you're talking about uh, d tackle yeah tomas johnson. Tomas johnson. johnson i mean he's he's not a db but i think the reason we were so successful we, we gave up 256 pass yards but we we did have four interceptions. But our, our D line is outstanding right now. We're very deep. What would you say? We got about seven guys. I mean, seven, seven guys that seven, seven eight guys. guys that can really can play. But Tomas Johnson, um, he was named the the overall player of the game up at AC Reynolds. Uh, I think he had three or four tackles for losses. Um, but he, he's kind of that middle guy. We. He was gone with all of conference last year, right? Yeah, he was, I he was, was all conference. I, I was going to say, he, I remember you he, telling he, me about him around broke his state championship time. Something. Yeah. And it was, he was really a key to our state championship run. We got him back the first round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think that we had the bye, and then he came back, and just a crucial part. But now we got four new secondary guys. We graduated four of our top guys. You know, they're all playing college ball. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, um, Javon McAllister had three interceptions. I think that's a guy to, to look at. Uh, Isaiah Crowell is a sophomore corner. Um, Jay Baz uh, Gorham is a, another great player for us. And then uh, Elijah Thomas led our team. He's the guy who uh, E.T. had that interception, um, the pick six there. Um, he led the team with 20 tackles. He had probably one of his best games ever as a human being that he could even dream of. Huh? Yes. Kind of surprised all of us, didn't he? Surprised it? me. And, hey, uh, he told me, though. He told me. Yeah. Oh, so he knew. He, he told knew me he was going to have a great game. He told me. That's I mean, good, man. And don't you think if, if he plays like this all year, we, we can be really dangerous? Very dangerous. I mean, man. seriously, it's kind of a question mark was that other linebacker and if he plays like he did, holy man, we could be outstanding. So that's okay. So that brings up an interesting question because I know year after year, because you've been with uh, the East Forsyth program now over a decade. How long? When did you? What was your first year? Your first year was. Oh, uh, jeez. Uh, it was either 02 <laughs> or 03. Oh, man. So, wow. So, so you're creeping on two my, decades this almost. This is my 17th season. Wow. So, this is my 17th season. So, here's a question for you, coach. What's harder, losing a starting senior to graduation? or losing a game in December? Well, kind of like I tell the guys, I, I love all my guys, but I love some more guys <laughs> more than, than others. But honestly, uh, I would say losing guys, I think my wife would even say that because you get to know the kids so much. Every, and she every year she has a hard time. Yeah. 
you know, who's she going to love next and all, you know. And I, I think because it becomes such a big relationship thing, we're, we're still big about relationships. Don't get me wrong, it, it stinks to, to lose in December, for sure. But to, it's hard losing some of these these good young men. Now, some of them, I'm glad to, to see them walk across the stage. Huh? <laughs> Not you won't be one of those guys, Torian. Oh, I know. Got a way. <laughs> a couple years ago. Yeah. Know Torian like. knows I love him. Now, originally I was going to kind of break this up, but I mean, we're just going to keep it rolling here. Um, now, I'm I'm fairly familiar with Southwest Guilford. I've called a couple of their games over the past couple of years. There was a a classic game they had against Ragsdale. I think maybe two or three years ago that me and Dave Pulaski called, uh, where there was a there was an incident at the end of the game. Uh, one of the teams tried to kick a field goal. Time expired. There was a block. The, for some reason, the refs picked the ball up, brought it back to the, the line of scrimmage with no flag called, let them kick again. <laughs> they kicked the ball, tied the game, went to overtime. Something else happened. It was crazy, but like we were talking about it for weeks. Now, Eric Rainey was the head coach of Southwest Guilford for the past um, – three or four uh, past six seasons he's no longer there chuck doke is the uh new head coach there they won this past week a 35 28 shootout against rj reynolds who's a conference rival of you guys so you're very familiar with them have you guys started i know it's early in the week with us here talking here at east coast wings in kernersville but have you guys started thinking about what the main keys of the game are going to be for this opponent or do you guys just take the same keys to the game into every game no matter the opponent I want Torian to answer this question. I'm, I'm interested to see his response here. I hope it's the right one. My response is, <laughs> coach. <laughs> Every week. They have their game plans. We come in, we have to listen, and we have to execute as much as we can. Because, you know, he wants everything perfect. Right. You know, people make mistakes. But you got to play not to make mistakes. You got to do your, your job. If you do your job and you know your job and you listen to the call, You'll have a perfect game. So is it pretty much you're just pre the same? No, we, we do it. So now we got film now. Back in the olden days when I first started, we still used VHS tapes. Yeah. Oh, that was a pain. You don't even know what a VHS tape yeah. is, do you? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> then we got the DVDs, and now we're, we're to everything's online right now. And um, so these guys can watch film. And we, we, we break down film. We'll have film by Saturday morning about 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. My coach is already – um, Pain. That's my. I think that was my son. Is that yours? Yeah, <laughs> my son. My 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 uh, <laughs> wife must have went to the bathroom. So he'll be okay. Yeah, he'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, so that th there's a different game plan for it because everybody's different. And Coach Doak's a little different than what our other Southwest Guilford guy mm. um, Eric was. So there there's different game plans. I mean, they're a totally different team than AC Reynolds. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. And you know, every week it feels like you're having to have a completely different game plan because especially in high school it's like some teams stick to just one thing like i mean there's some teams out there that just run the ball 50 times a game because they don't have anybody that can throw the ball or you've got teams out there that can't kick to save their lives so they, they're always going forward on fourth down you know but but east and there's a select few others that seem more well-rounded especially over the past three or four years you kind of come into your own with your own identity when teams play against you guys they know what they're going to be going up against and especially if they come into kernersville and have to play you guys here at the nest so the with southwest coming in here for a home opener, Torin, what what do you what are you expecting from the crowd? Because this is the first time the crowd has seen you guys in uniform playing a game since the state championship game back in December. So, what what do you how do you think the atmosphere is going to be uh, going into this home opener? And do you think that 
it's an advantage uh, playing at the Nest. It's always a great advantage. It's always a great atmosphere playing there. Um, we're going to have a lot of ups and downs there, and I don't think that we're going to do bad at all. I think we're going to have a great game, and then we're going to come out with the win. But the crowd is definitely going to be very loud. You know, they – they, they get up there, yeah. Yeah, they they expect nothing, nothing, nothing less from us. Yeah, uh, they don't. <laughs> it's a tough <laughs> crowd now. It's a lot of support, but That's it's a, a tough very, crowd. A now. Very tough crowd. And they come out rain or shine. Um, a couple of years ago, I was doing an East Forsyth West Forsyth game back before y'all were in the same conference, and you would yep. play right around Labor Day, like yep. every year, be right Labor Day weekend. And uh, we were in there waiting, and there was a lightning delay. It was only a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was a I lightning remember, delay. Yeah. And we're, me and Dave Plask, we're sitting in the booth and we're just kind of sitting there waiting and waiting. And all of a sudden, like, they opened the gates or something because we didn't know what was going on outside. We're in the press box. Apparently, everybody, East, West, like, all the fans, they were just standing there just waiting to come into the gate. And they opened the gate and you just see this flood of, like, kids coming in, people throwing up baby powder and all this other crazy stuff. And I was like, wow, what is going on here? And it was it was East for side kids. They were coming over their side. Now, granted, West had their kids, too. They, they traveled, so they were over on the other side. And we didn't think we were going to have a crowd because it was a thunderstorm and the place was packed, you know. So I'm uh, – after the places I've been, and for Scythe County in particular, east and west are probably the two spots that are home field advantage are really, really massive. And, and it's grown here, especially as Coach Willard has built this program here over the past 17-plus years. <laughs> Man, it didn't feel like that long. Oh, it feels long. <laughs> those first, those first four or five were very long. But we, we do, we have great fans. We got, you know, the our players do a great job of, of you know, getting the student body out there. The student body feels a part of the team, and I am. I'm very anxious to see the crowd that we'll have. You know, a lot of people watch that state game. You know, I go to Walmart, yeah. go to Target, wherever you go, go to East Coast to eat or whatever. People are like, man, I remember what that game was awesome. So I'm, I'm anxious to see um, the crowd's response when we come out. And I think, honestly, it's going to feel pretty cool to come and play at home. It's cra- it's actually giving me sh- uh, goosebumps <laughs> right now because and I've told you this, that the way you guys ended that game was eerily familiar to how they won the first state championship game. They The first state championship game they won, I was a freshman at East Forsyth in 92, and they won on a 50-yard touchdown pass to an uncovered receiver down the field. And both teams were – East was 14-0. It was Northern Durham. They were 14-0. They were nationally ranked. Uh, and they and East won the game. East ended up being ranked like 15th nationally when the season was over. That was a tough team. But then you guys go out and do this almost almost identical the way the game ended where I, I was sitting in my living room watching the game, and I'm listening to Dave Pulaski on my, on my headphones at the same time, and they were really matching up. And, like, when it happened, I was like, no one was even covering him. <laughs> like, yeah. no one was even out there. Like, what happened? So, it was just crazy that it ended the way it did. Now, what I want to do, we've talked about what you did last week. We've talked about what you're going to do this week. But each week, I want to kind of pick your brains on what's going on in the world of football in general. And, of course, the biggest news this past week is the retirement of Andrew Luck. Um, Coach, do you – what did you, what do you tell these kids in terms of like taking care of their bodies and uh, just tr- uh, not avoiding injuries, but you know just taking care of injuries physically and mentally? Because some of the stuff that Andrew Luck said, <laughs> as Torian tips his water to me, um, some of the stuff Andrew said in his press conference, it sounded like he was just burnt out from the constant cycle of. Now he's had a lot of 
I call them car wreck injuries because they're, I mean, he's had a lacerated kidney. He's had like ligament tears. And, yeah, yeah, just all kinds stuff. of stuff. Yeah. It, it sounds like he's been in three car wrecks. So when he, when he announced it, I was shocked at first. But the more I thought about it, I was like, I mean, he's 29. He's made $98 million in his yeah. career. <laughs> he graduated from Stanford. Yeah. So it's like he's got options. He can do other things. What do you tell these kids at this level at high school in terms of injuries and just trying to stay mentally focused and not letting that quote-unquote burnout type thing happen that's happened apparently to Andrew Luck? Well, we, we just talked today after practice. So that's why Torian's over here smiling. You know, I, <laughs> I, I get on him all the time about this last game. We had a lot of cramping and people kind of, you know, all game long. And it, it comes down to eating right. You gotta eat right. You gotta drink water like Torian. That's why he wanted to order a soda tonight and eat. But uh, <laughs> he, he did, he did he, not. He, he <laughs> got the water instead. But but then also we try to do things fun. When I first came to East, we went two a days. We went Monday through Friday in the off season. We we've tailored it way back. No, they Just, still allow you to do that. Like if you want to run you, a two a day, you, you can do forms of stuff, but not not like you could back in the days. Yeah. And I'm talking even spring and summer workouts. We went four or five days a week. We went Monday through Friday. Just missed and, it, Tori. And uh, just missed it. We've just kind of scaled that all back just to keep them fresh. But you know, when you get to the pros, so. Those guys, I, I I can only imagine what their body's been through. Right. You know what I mean? And and just the mental toll of a quarterback and the injuries and coming back. And then, like you said, when you got $98 million, that would make it very hard. I always, wonder, I always wonder why Tom Brady goes and plays football. I mean, he must be the most competitive human being. Well, nobody touches uh, him. I mean, nobody touches oh, Tom Brady. He hit quite a bit. Are you now. a Patriots fan? Come on now. I know, I, know you're, I know he's a diehard Panther fan yes, here sir. now. But I'm, Are I'm you a, a Patriots fan, Coach? I'm, I'm kind of closeted. Oh, I, I I just well, that's, uh, that's been a great uh, Nest podcast, everybody. We'll see you uh, next time. Uh, <laughs> but, hey, you got to respect the, the great. I like how great, but I've been mean, nah, I respect Brady. He's, I respect he's got him. he's got a beautiful wife that makes more money than him, like he's, five times more. Yeah, yeah. He's got six Super Bowl rings. And he's just, but you know, he's just a different guy. But I, you know, someone like uh, like Drew Luck, or um, yeah, Drew, you know, or Andrew Luck. It's just crazy i mean i understand i know the fans are upset you'd be you'd be upset if cam newton all of a sudden said hey yeah. guess what? i just got hit on my shoulder again when he got hammered by the patriots that's why you're a little salty still because <laughs> the patriots took it to him a little bit and then all of a sudden oh he, i hope i see y'all i hope we see y'all this year i so hope we run across yeah, the patriots because if we do it'll be february so it'll be worth it but i understand why the the fans booed them and were salty that they didn't take in the human part of it they're you, just fans do you think you know? they handled that the right way? not the fans do you think that adam Schefter broke it do you think they yeah. handled that the right no, way no i think that the media kind of I'm not a big media guy. I, that's why I speak to you. I speak to certain papers because I, I, I respect and, and trust you guys. Sometimes I think the media just want shock news and stuff like that. And I think uh, Luck deserved a lot more than what he was given by right. these people. And I, that, that disappoints me. And I think a lot of the NFL players have shown their disappointment and, and supported Andrew Luck. And, uh, you know, hopefully the media will understand that then the day, even though they're great people, quarterbacks and all, they are still people. They're family people, yeah. and they they need to have a life after football. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Andrew has a kid on the way, yeah. So that probably is weighing his decision. Yeah. I think the take that I hate the most when it comes to what he did are the people that are just assuming he'll come back in a year. Because yeah. you know, there's a lot of people. Oh, give him a year, he'll heal up, he'll come back. I don't think anybody listened to what he said. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I mean, he's. Why would you? You're putting yourself through this. 
and you're constantly having to rehab. He missed a whole year. Like I said, he had a lacerated kidney and, and played, finished the game with it. I mean, why would you leave the game, wait a year, start feeling better, and then put yourself back into that same situation that was causing you to feel that pain? And you're older at that point, too. And you still got the $98 million in your bank account. Yeah. So it's like, why, why would he do that? I don't understand why he would come back. I think he's personally done. Like, I think he's... Yeah, I, I, don't I don't think he's coming back. Just like you said, those he just had different types of injuries too. Yeah, man. they were just, they weren't normal. Yeah, the football freaky, injuries. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it, it, that's mentally that just has to it has to take a toll on you because I think he's still competitor and all that, yeah. but eventually I think you just get wore down and you want to wake up happy. And I got a feeling he wasn't waking up happy every day. You do that for a while, it, it changes your mentality a lot. Yeah, Every all of us have gone through it at one point or another. Um, the other topic I want to touch on, which has been a topic now, really for the past three or four weeks, is the mysterious case of Antonio Brown. Um, have you guys been watching Hard Knocks at all this season? No. No? You I watch have. It? Yeah. Yep. I've watched it. Do you? Now, I talked to you a little bit about this, Torian, before we started to get your opinion on it, so I would know which way you were going to go here. But one of the things, well, there's two things going on with Antonio Brown. His feet. Have you seen his feet? No. No? Pro- don't look at his feet. Have you seen his feet? Yeah. Okay, yeah. As a football player, don't look at his feet. I don't know what he was doing. and the, the, He got into a cryogenic ta- right, chamber yep. and didn't have on the right shoes or socks, socks or something. Or shoes, yeah, protection. And his feet look like – it looks like he shouldn't be walking on them. I and mean, he's out there running routes and stuff right now, like the bottoms of him. But other than that, the main thing that's going on with him right now is his equipment issue with the NFL. He lost his uh, appeal, and now he's going to have to basically play with a helmet that's regulated. Now, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, they've had to do the same thing. They've had to pick other helmets that weren't approved by the NFL or, or are approved by the NFL. They had to leave the helmets they had before. Antonio Brown's gripe is that this is the only helmet he's ever played for, and he's saying it makes me Antonio Brown or whatever. Do you, as a football player, do you get that attached to your helmet? Does that have to be a specific brand, uh, model? It has to look a certain way? Or, or can you basically throw on a bonnet and go out there and, and do what you do? I mean... Not that you're throwing a bonnet, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I mean, it's just the helmet that you think fits you. Um, I wear the helmet that whatever Coach Will gives me, I'll wear it and then go out there and play 100% and 100 miles an hour, and I do my job. That's all. Do you think you'd be different if you were worth $100 million? <laughs> <laughs> Because that's I'm really like, what it comes down to. It's really – it's like Antonio Brown trying to, I guess, trying to get what he wants. He's either that or he's stalling for his feet. Again, you got to see his feet to understand the whole yeah, story because I think he's stalling. I think that's what he's doing, that he can't run and that he's using the, the helmet issue to buy time so he doesn't have to go through any of uh, preseason. So I, I think there's so much – there's got to be more than just a helmet. I would hope as a great player that he is – I hope it's really not just down to that pettiness. Uh, me too. It's a, it's a helmet because I, I, I'd lose – you know, I know these guys don't want – a lot of them don't want to say they're role models, but there's a lot of people that look up – you know, a lot of my kids that play for me that look up to Antonio yeah. Brown and to think that you would stop playing football because of a helmet. And we're in a sport right now where we're trying to make it safer in all the lawsuits and all that. Yeah. I'd hate to see the kids say, well, if you hold out long enough or you just give up because you don't get your way – even though it's for safety reasons. I mean, there's a reason why they're doing it. Right. Um, you know, that would disappoint me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of leaning with your conspiracy theory a little bit. Stalling. That is with his feet. You got to see the feet, man. You're going to leave here tonight, Torian. You're going to Google Antonio Brown's feet. 
and you're gonna see him like, oh, okay. I'm <laughs> now, bro, right uh, <laughs> you just ate. You're good. Yeah, you probably need to wait a little bit. But. Torian, I've seen Torian in the training room. Torian's feet don't look much better than that. Those he we we, we make fun of him. He got like. I can vouch 50, for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, we call him the old man now. You, you probably thought he's like forty now. He is only. You, you did bring him in. I was like, who's this thirty-year-old dude he brought? He's supposed to be bringing a student. Who is this kid? But um, I brought assistant coach with me. <laughs> now I have one more question for you guys too, and it's still NFL related. Uh, as you know, Cam Newton got nicked up in the last uh, preseason game, game three. What are your thoughts on preseason NFL preseason? You think it's too long, or do you think it's just right? Do you think they should have it at all? No. No. No preseason. Play. I mean, you don't have it in high school. You don't have it in college. Like, do you think you would? Do you think you would be better off if you had a preseason, like a, like a game that don't count, like one or two of them before the season began? Would you we, we be better do, off? We do scrimmage. We scrimmage twice. You know, it's more of a controlled scrimmage. It's only half a football when you go to these scrimmages. Um, I think the big thing, I I kind of like what a lot of them are doing though, is it's more for the. You know, the 50 trying to get the job. I'd hate to get away of all the preseason games. Yeah. Because there's a lot of a lot of college guys with dreams that are trying to make the NFL roster. And I think we get rid of those those preseason games. Um, those guys don't, you know, have a chance. We had a guy, Brandon Smith. Right. I, you yeah, know, I know Brandon. Brandon. Yeah, I mean, he's been up he, there. You know, he made the final cut of the Jaguars last year. But to this day, what a dream it was for him. Right. And I'd hate to take that dream away from a bunch of – people that it sacrificed so much and even though Brandon only played three or four games the experience he had is just unbelievable and then he gets to come back and share it with my guys now or old East alumni so I look at it from that you know like uh, McVeigh out at the Rams he doesn't play any none of his starters play yeah they didn't play at all last year and I think as long as people will come and pay to watch these guys or TV We'll do it. Just do it that way. Your starters don't necessarily have to play. Let's let the backups and you know I'm I'm interested. I don't follow teams. I follow people, right? Because I know so many kids that are playing at the, from college level to pro. So I'm more interested in it that way. That. Yeah. I think a lot of the fan base obviously isn't like that. Yeah, you know, so, <laughs> they're like, who's that guy? Yeah. Who's this guy? You know, so, so I mean, it's, it, yeah. it's neat for me to think that I got to watch Brandon Smith. You know, Daniel Bryan played for Atlanta for yeah. a while. Um, we had another guy play for the Bucks. Ian Thompson played for the Bucks for a while. It was neat to see them, even though they never got past that final cut. It's pretty neat. Ron Rivera said something real interesting. Uh, he was on the 85 Bears, and he was like, you know, back then they needed it, you know, because guys were coming in out of shape. Like they'd been enjoying the spoils of the yeah. offseason. So they needed preseason to get into shape before they started the season. But now you got guys like Cam Newton walking around in shape all year, and it's like I think the coaches, I think the NFL coaches are starting to look at it like, I don't need to put all my starters out there. And I think if you ask – if Ron Rivera could choose to play Cam last week, he probably wouldn't have in sec- like in hindsight because mm-hmm. he didn't really – he played 11 snaps or whatever it yeah. was, and nothing came from it in terms of us feeling better about week one. Now, now with my role at uh, Sports Hub Triad, being a producer for The Drive with Josh Graham, we had a chance to talk to a lot of the beat writers and got people that are following the Panthers and they're mm-hmm. at camp and they're watching him throw – and they, they're like, Cam's been throwing 50, 60-yard passes since April. So, like, we're not sure where everybody's all, Panthers are going to be 8-8, eight and eight, Cam's not going to blah, 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 blah. It's like, we've watched him do this. He's, he's perfectly fine. So, 
I don't know. It's an interesting topic. I, uh, I don't know if they're going to shorten preseason or not. I think two games would be probably the sweet spot right there. Yep, I think that would be good. You know, I don't think it needs to be four. Yeah, I think that's two. Because, like, this uh, is anybody going to watch this Panther-Steelers uh, game four yeah. uh, here they, Thursday? They play nobody then, and they kind of know who they're already cutting anyway. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that that I think they could take that away. But, you know, we do, we do you know, our scrimmages, yeah. you know. And we kind of – so we can see the guys – that we need to fill in and stuff. You know, we found yeah. some guys that could play. RJ. RJ, RJ, yeah. We got a freshman kid that we went to probably even really try, and, and he's been up there. And then we got the two young running backs, the uh, two sophomores, Trey and uh, Jay Mon. Yeah. yeah. You know, some things, if they just play with the JVs, you know, we probably it's wouldn't notice that yeah. they could play with the varsity guys. And now, you know, they're up there and they believe they can. So we know the, you know, so there, there's po- positives and negatives both ways okay well this is uh the end of the inaugural edition of the nest podcast with head coach todd willard from east for torian jackson here along with us thank you sir for being the uh the first player guest of the season <laughs> thank you for um me. definitely uh good luck to you this upcoming week i'm only gonna give you guys good luck week by week and instead of thinking out all the way to the end of the season just think about the next couple of days get through southwest guilford and move on to the next round i know the coach probably liked that type of talk so um <laughs> next week they got southwest guilford you can hear that game on sports hub triad pregame starts at 7 p.m kickoff at 7 30 that's in kernersville at the nest so definitely come out and support them there i am desmond johnson again i am not rod funderburg rod funderburg will be here next week taking over this role and uh we'll have coach willard and uh, another player or some coaches or somebody come by and talk about what happened against southwest guilford and uh, i believe mount Tabor's next after that so we'll talk a little bit about that too but uh live well not live but uh here at uh, east coast wings in kernersville we will see you next week